Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan. And in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was to ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And throughout each one of these episodes, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less. It makes you more. So when I think of a yoga, meditation, mindful practice coach, I think of what a beautiful setting like Bali to live in. Thankfully, Lisa Rachel Snyder totally lives up to all of this, and she is my guest today. She is based in Bali, and you can actually hear in the background the chirps of the exotic birds and just this really faint, amazing sound of nature that is her background, and oh, it made me jealous and yearning to be in the space that she is in, but above and beyond the chirps of nature that you get to enjoy from this episode. Lisa breaks down that her mindful practices that have profoundly transformed her health, both mentally and physically, and tells us how she teaches others to do the same. She is the creator of the beautiful Badass Method, which has seven steps to a healthy relationship with food, your body, and yourself. She explains what empowered eating is, which is a term I had not heard until today, but I'm officially using and obsessed with. So thank you, Lisa, for giving me a new term, but is all about leading with self-love and it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. It's really rather simple. And she shows us, she tells us it's, it's something that we all get to do and be a part of. So enjoy the words of wisdom that Lisa Rachel Snyder is going to bring to you today. Welcome back, everybody. I am very excited to speak with my guest today, Lisa Snyder. Welcome, Lisa. Hello. Thank you. Um, Let's go ahead. Let's get right into it and share with the listeners who is Lisa. So I'm an empowerment coach with a focus on empowered eating. Um, And I also am the founder of the Beautiful Badass Method, which is a seven-step method to be your own expert with food, your body, and your life. Um, So what I do is sort of similar to emotional eating coaching, but I call it empowered eating, partly because I like to focus on the positive and partly because I don't think emotional eating in itself is bad. Um, It gets a really bad rap, but emotional eating it's is okay if you're coming from self-love and that's basically my whole thing is that the intention behind the way you're eating is what matters if you're eating from a place of self-punishment that's one thing but if you're eating from a place of self-kindness that's a totally different thing and when you're doing that there are no rules so that's what I do. And I'm also a yoga and meditation teacher and um, Reiki practitioner and also dabble in astrology and oracle card readings. Everything amazing. We're like 30 seconds into this episode and I'm so engrossed by you. Like, <laughs> empowered eating is a term that I haven't heard before, but it resonates so strongly with me. Mm. 
for yeah. so many reasons. Like you said, one, let's not focus. It's There's already enough negativity that most of us have or had had with food. So let's not attach that. And who said emotion is bad? Right. Exactly. In fact, that's sort of like the patriarchy saying that it's not okay to experience emotions. And it's sort of like in a very subtle way, um, anti-feminism, if that makes any sense. Um, It is. Yeah. So yeah, it's like seeping into our subconscious that, that emotions are bad. And in fact, like so much of healing is really expressing your emotions fully and letting them all be okay. So, and I don't yes. think any of us can heal actually unless we truly express those emotions. Exactly, exactly. And even um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um, I personally like I, I, when I became a yogi. I felt like anger was, was wrong to experience. Um, cause I used to be really angry growing up and then I became a yogi and I, and I was like, no, I need to rise above the anger. But a- actually that's not true either. Like the anger still needs to be expressed and felt. And, um, so I, it's, it's just interesting how like even in, even in communities where like everyone's like, yes, feel your feelings and express that like in the yogic community, for example, like there's still this like, but anger is not allowed. <laughs> Only the good emotions you can express. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's just not, that's just not true. It, it, there's space for all of it. So where did this space come from? That's why I always like to get like right to the roots. Like I'm assuming you didn't just wake up and say, oh, I'm going to teach women how to be empowered eaters. Like that had to stem (laughs) from somewhere, I'm guessing. Yeah. So I basically struggled with food for about 20 years. So starting when I was like nine or 10, um, I started watching my weight and really hated my body. And um, when I was like, probably 11 or 12, I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting, Mm. which was where I learned that I couldn't trust myself, that I couldn't trust my body, that if I ate the way I wanted to eat, then I would just eat everything in sight and never stop eating and get really fat and, and therefore be ugly and unlovable because the root of it was that I didn't feel like I was lovable. And that, so So I had to go on a diet. I had to count points. I had to count calories. I had to exercise and and watch what I was doing and like be really regimented about it. And um, I lived that way for 20 years, nearly 20 years. And um, and then and I basically, I mean, it took many different twists and turns um, over the years. But I never had like a straight eating disorder in the sense that I never like binged and threw up and I was never anorexic. It was more subtle than that. So it was actually easy for me to convince myself that I didn't have a problem because what I was doing was pretty normal in society. I was just like always on a diet and obsessed with exercise and obsessed with my weight and obsessed with the way I looked. And, um, it wasn't until I was 29 and I was in a relationship with a pretty severe alcoholic who just like put up a big fat mirror and um, 
when I left him, because I realized that he had been lying to me when I left him, <clears throat> I realized that the only way I was ever going to, well, I realized that first of all, I attracted an alcoholic into my life because I was an addict. And it was really the first time I admitted to myself that I had a problem. And at the same time, I had just come off a crazy diet where I was eating basically nothing for a month. And then when I came off of that, I couldn't stop eating. I literally couldn't stop eating. I, I gained everything back and more and still couldn't stop eating. And like, so that was basically my rock bottom because it all kind of came crashing down at once. And I made a promise to myself that I was going to heal this, that I was going to figure this out. And I started just like digesting every resource I could on bulimia, recovery, self-love. That's really when I started getting into yoga. Um, I had done yoga before, but more from the perspective of like wanting to get fit. And I found a, a type of yoga that was more focused on the spiritual, the philosophical aspect of it and like really going inside and a moving meditation. And um, I was doing all of these things for about a year and a half and like really working at it. And still, it didn't feel like I was making any progress, but I was, the water was boiling under the surface. And then, so I was like learning what I was supposed to be doing, but still couldn't quite implement it in order to be free of food. And then uh, my brother committed suicide unexpectedly. And I was so broken at the time that I literally couldn't survive without being kind to myself. And a switch flipped. Just the act of, first of all, believing that I deserved kindness because I... I knew that what had happened was so intense that I, that I deserved it, that, that I deserved to be good to myself for once. And so I started really being kind to myself and listening to my body and eating whatever it wanted and not worrying about food. And, um, it, it changed everything and I haven't gone back. So about two years later, so I was, so I was practicing that being eating out of self kindness, which is essentially what I teach now. Um, and about two years later, I realized that I need to be sharing this with other people because I had been coaching friends, but I realized that I needed to share it. And um, and then I was in a sound bath one day, and I basically just got downloaded this method that I teach, it was like, it came through and it was like, here's how you communicate this to people. And that's how the beautiful badass method was born. Well, first of all, thank you for getting the download and pursuing it and doing what you do, because what you're doing is so important. And what a strong person it took to say in realization, like, I'm only going to survive if I'm kind to myself. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you know, we don't realize how much we punish ourselves and how much we don't, we believe that we don't deserve joy. We believe we don't deserve pleasure, pleasure in particular. Like there's so much guilt around pleasure and we, why don't we deserve those things? We do deserve those things. 
And it's, but it takes, it can take a lot to actually believe that you do. And that's really what I teach. I, I teach people how to believe that they deserve that. So. Such an interesting dichotomy too that we had talked about in the beginning was, you know, we're not supposed to feel or lean into or have bad emotions. So that's one thing that's setting us up to be unsuccessful. Right. But then we're also really supposed to feel guilty about feeling pleasure of any kind. So that right. emotion's <laughs> off the table too. So like yeah. somewhere we sit in like content, maybe sad, happy, and like neutral. Right. Like like getting by rather than thriving. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So what does that seems building this healthy relationship with food seems really complicated and complex, but is it truly, or do we just kind of think and convince ourselves that it is? Yeah, it's actually so simple. It's just that we've put all of this crap on top of what we already know. So we've just like, been programmed to think it is. Exactly. To well, think I mean, that it has to be a plan or a diet or this or that instead of just simply what we need. And that's where, that's where the empowerment comes in because there are so many conflicting opinions from like experts and nutritionists and doctors and fitness gurus and blah, blah, blah. Like all these different people telling us what we're supposed to be doing with our own bodies. And when you learn how to listen to your body, so there's two major components and this is why my program is called beautiful badass because the beautiful part is love. The word beautiful in itself means being fully you. That's self-love. And it takes a badass to, to listen to your truth above all others, which isn't to say that you don't take the opinions of others and um, use their suggestions, but ultimately you have to learn how to listen to what is right for you. And I tell people, like, I can't tell you what's right for you. If I say something that doesn't resonate with you, that it's not right for you, and maybe it worked for me, but you, you need to learn how to listen to what's right for you and choose that above all else. Um, so when you learn that, when you really learn how to listen to your own intuition, then you have all the answers and you don't need to sort through which plan is right for you. You don't have to be on a plan at all. Your body will tell you exactly what it needs in any given moment. How do you start to tune into that intuition? So the first step in my program is grounding. And it's, it's the first step for a reason. Like the, the other steps are not necessarily in order, but the first step is grounding because you have to be grounded in your body to listen to your body. You have to be grounded in your body to love your, your, yourself and your body. So it really starts with, with grounding. And what I mean by grounding is most of us spend our time in our heads. We're like in, in our thoughts, thinking about the past or the future or whatever it is we're worrying about or trying to figure out. And when we come into the body and like literally when we just bring our awareness to our bodies, because the body is always in the present moment. So when we like bring our awareness to our toes, for example, like what, what's going on with my toes right now? Like, what, are they tingling? Are they stuck in my shoes? Are they like, is there heat? Is there sweat? Is there, what's going on? 
like when we come and bring the focus into parts of the body, we come into the present moment. And from there, we can ask our bodies what, what they want. And we also feel a sense of relief and a sense of safety and a sense that it's okay to be here who I am right now. So this is a mindfulness practice. Um, all of my, my program is all based in mindfulness techniques. Um, so we're working on a subconscious level, actually. We're transforming from a subconscious level so that it's really getting in and it's not just an intellectual understanding so that it actually shifts your, your life and your relationship with food. You have to rewire the, that old programming or it's yes. never, ever going to stick. Yeah. Never. Yeah. yeah. You might get yeah. results. I mean, like, I know that for a fact, like you might get results, but eventually that that's going to crumble. Yes. Yeah. And you just kind of self-sabotage right, right. back into what you are so hardwired into knowing. Yeah. Cause it's really not about willpower. It's like beyond willpower. Like for me, there is no more white knuckling my way through like not binging. It's like, that's just not even an option anymore. I wouldn't treat myself that way anymore. Like, so it's, it's, it's getting to the place where it's just really coming from self-love, like really establishing yourself in that. So the, and which this is why I call myself an empowerment coach rather than an empowered eating coach, because it's, it's not just about food. It's really about everything because once you're established in that self love, once you're established in that sense of power and trust in yourself and you really know how to listen to yourself, it's, it's like, yes, it affects your diet, but it affects everything. It affects every single choice you make. Well, and let's be honest. It's never about the food. Right. (laughs) Of course. A little tiny bit, like on the surface level it is. Ultimately, it's never about the food. No, the food is the food is the crutch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What if this is always something that I hear a lot of questions about and I'm always interested to hear what other people have to say about it. So I preach self-love. It is my jam. I very strongly, firmly believe in it. But what is the space where you say, okay, I'm going to treat myself with self-love, but I still want to change my body. So it's a tricky thing and it's actually a paradox because what happens is that when you decide that it's more important to you, that you are loving to yourself and kind to yourself than the number on the scale, when you decide that that's your priority and you start eating out of that self-kindness, then your body relaxes and lets go of everything it's been holding onto for dear life. And it drops whatever it's holding onto and finds its natural weight. And that may be like, it depends, you know, some people... Um, are a little heavier than their natural weight and some people are lighter than their natural weight. But whatever your natural weight is, it finds that because it's 
living efficiently. It's not holding on anymore. Um, So the trick is shifting your mindset and shifting your priority. Because when you do that, your body starts to trust you again. So what should the priority be? The priority should be self-kindness. I could have guessed you would say that, but I thought I would ask, (laughs) just in case. Yeah, I mean, believing that you deserve your own love. When you really choose your own love above whatever you think you're supposed to be doing, when you really do that, and like, I'll, I'll use a concrete example. I was just working with a client recently, and he's struggled with his weight his entire life. He was 300 pounds at one point, and then he lost about 120 pounds and was doing like Ironman and Bike Across America and like all these like really intense things. And then, and, and in doing those things, he ended up gaining uh, about 20 pounds and feeling really frustrated and, and simultaneously eating a raw food diet and doing what everyone had told him he was supposed to do and still, and still holding on to this extra weight and feeling completely defeated and frustrated. And that's how I met him. And literally he was so receptive to it, but within two sessions of working together, something clicked for him and he realized that he hasn't been listening to his body and that he can eat whatever he wants. So he started eating like a raw vegan. He's, he's vegan. So he started eating raw vegan cheesecake and like chocolate banana pancakes. And like within like four days, His body weight, first of all, he was eating a lot less food than he had been eating before. So he was eating like one big meal a day and then maybe one smaller meal because that's what his body told him to eat. Mm -hmm. And within like four days, his weight distribution completely changed. His body went out of starvation mode and started trusting him again. And he was like on cloud nine. He's like, this is the secret the whole time. I could have just been eating whatever I want. And I was like, yes, this is the secret. (laughs) It's really about just giving yourself pleasure. Eating is supposed to be pleasurable. And we just, we punish ourselves. We deny ourselves that. But that's what it's supposed to be. And when you're really eating what your body wants, it, it's pleasurable and it's, and it's great. And there's no struggle. There, there doesn't have to be a struggle to lose weight. So, um, and you don't, and like, like I said, you don't overeat. Like I used to be a sugar fiend when I was denying myself carbs mm-hmm. for many years. And as soon as I ate something sweet, I, I ate everything sweet, you know? Um, but when it's allowed... And when you're doing it because you want to treat yourself and you, you want to feel good and you want to feel pleasure, you're never going to overeat because that's not pleasurable. Overeating makes you feel sick. So if you're really coming from this intention of self-love and self-kindness, um, it all shifts. It changes everything. And it doesn't have to be hard. It's not hard. It's easy. 
once you get it, it's so easy and you can have all the food that you want and you can have the body you want and you can really have it all. So that's what I teach. I want it. I like, I like, that sounds fantastic. And those, that description also is why I love how you use the term empowered eating versus emotional eating. This man was having pleasure. He was having enjoyment. Like, again, that's an emotion and that's not bad to exactly to assimilate with food. And another term too, that I like, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Lisa, is the term intuitive eating, even though I have definitely thrown it around, I don't like it because yeah. it's eating. Like it's, that's just called eating to <laughs> me. Like, and so, and I get the term and definitely because I've now stepped into that role where I am intuitively listening to my body. It's a word that on the podcast I've used a lot recently. Right. But ultimately, like, isn't that just called eating food? Yeah, but I think that we have to, we have to explain. I, I agree with you, but, but there's, because like 99%, well, maybe not quite that much, 90% of people are not eating intuitively. 90% of people are eating according to some plan or they're just eating like um, junk food out of whatever they're, they're, um, their cravings that are not coming from a coming from a place of self-love because 90% of the population is eating that way. We have to explain this different way of eating that is, that is a little more aligned with um, a healthy and thriving life. Yeah. I like that. And I agree too. And I do, like I said, I definitely use that term to explain it and it goes, but every time I'm due, I'm like, but that's just kind of called yeah, doing the thing that we're all right. supposed to do. And we all knew how to eat intuitively when we were kids, yes. you know, yeah. we, we, that's why it's, that's why it's actually so simple. It's just that we have to relearn or we have to like rather strip away all of the things that we've learned that is, that's a little bit dysfunctional. Coming back very much to the beginning of, your story too. I want to touch on, I love the fact that you talked about you weren't labeling yourself or you didn't have the official label of an eating disorder because everything that you were doing was so accepted by culture. Right. It doesn't mean that it was healthy. Right. And I've struggled with this too, quite honestly, because when I share my story that very much in a lot of ways parallels yours, it's like, yeah, but I didn't weigh 85 pounds and I wasn't hospitalized. So I wasn't as sick as somebody else. Like it almost was an excuse for me to say like, I can still justify my behavior. Totally. Clinically, I don't have this wrong with me. Right. Yeah. Um, actually, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with bulimia because I would binge and then exercise for hours and hours. And I still like, even though my parents were convinced and the psychologist and everyone was convinced that I had an eating disorder, I still couldn't admit it to myself. And in fact, I remember going to this eating disorder clinic 
and feeling so self-conscious because I was not skin and bones. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, like the anorexic girls were judging me, you know? (laughs) No, I get it. I told you, as you say it, like it, it resonates very hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, but most of, I mean, but yeah, the, the way that our culture teaches us to eat is disordered. It's not necessarily uneating disorder, but it is disordered. It's not, it's not, um, it's, it's controlling. Well, it's, even simply in the posts that you'll see, and maybe it's specifically around holiday time or any other time, but it's like, if you eat this, you have to do X amount of minutes exercising to burn this. Well, right. eat it or right. don't because you don't want to. Right. And, and also that's just not true. Like when you make friends with food, your body processes it more efficiently. You can eat whatever you want when you believe that you can eat it and your body will process it. Um, I like one of the things that I teach is to create a ritual around like when you start eating to do some sort of ritual to, to check in with yourself and to check in with the food and the thing that I've been doing recently, and it's, for me, it changes. Like sometimes I'll just take a minute to like express gratitude or sometimes I'll do like a little prayer or a mantra or um, even Reiki my food. Um, But recently what I've been doing is just taking a moment to attune my digestive system with the food. So I just sort of like let my body know like, okay, we're about to be digesting this right now. And my body's like, okay, cool. (laughs) And then I start eating, but it's just a moment to like get my body ready to start eating. And actually that idea sort of came from Ayurveda because according to Ayurveda, we start digesting way before we start eating. As soon as we start thinking about whatever it is we're going to eat, the, our body somehow knows which hormones to excrete, like which hormones need to come up to process whatever food we're about to eat. It's really interesting. So that's, that's that's another reason why like eat what your body is craving, because if you're not, it's not going to be digested properly because um, your body's like prepared to digest one thing. And then all of a sudden you're giving it what you think is healthy. Your body's like, wait, what is this? You know, and then you start to feel bloated and you, (laughs) so, um, so it's actually much healthier to eat what, what your body's really craving. And when you don't lean into that, I guess for myself personally too, that's where that dissatisfaction lies. And then if I'm dissatisfied with what I'm eating, I'm eventually going to seek out something that's satisfying me. Absolutely. And the more I've restricted it, then it's turned into a very much of a binge situation or a very much overeating situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when you're, when you're really eating what you're craving, then you feel satisfied and you don't think about food anymore. You don't think about it all day. And it saves so much space to think about other things. (laughs) What a release of your mind. Yes. Yeah. That's one thing I've recently started doing too. The rituals with my food is um, a friend of mine kind of mentioned that she just 
in kind of almost puts like it must be what you explained in the Reiki maybe you can kind of correct me in this but just simply kind of placing your hand over that food and just putting the energy that you want in that and Mm. being grateful for that and leading with that and it's it's fun for me when I've started to do that Mm -hmm. it just sets me a little bit I think it's grounding also it gives me a minute to like take a breath Right. Exactly. Feeling and then exactly have my meal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's basically what it is. It's, it's really just giving you a moment to, to pause so that when you're eating, you're not like in a rush, you're not like bringing whatever stress or whatever it is that you're coming from. You're just actually giving yourself a chance to sit and enjoy your meal. Mm. How do you begin to let the fear of everything that you've known for so long in your life go and lead with self-love? It doesn't go overnight. And in fact, like, I think that that's sort of the constant push and pull of life. Like for me personally, I've, um, I don't have fear around food anymore, but fear still comes up in like a lot of other areas of my life. And so it's, it's always going to be there. Um, and I think that the key is stepping into awareness as much as possible and recognizing it and being compassionate with yourself for it and recognizing that it's totally normal and it's okay. And, um, you know, just allowing it to be okay. And the more you can do that, the more it starts to, unravel and let loose stopping the resistance that you're feeling in the same way in the resistance of restriction or whatever you're doing with food or with your emotions like sense it right feel it and be okay with it yeah yeah and like also be okay with um one of the steps in my process is like recognizing that mistakes are not actually mistakes. Part of the healing process is making mistakes because if you, if you weren't making mistakes, you would have nothing to learn. It's guide. They're guiding you. They're showing you where there's still a little resistance, where there's still something holding on. Um, and so I actually feel like, uh, so, so if you notice that you're eating out of fear or you're eating in a self-punishing way one day, like just notice like, oh, okay, that happened. Why did that happen? Like kind of try to unravel it a little bit. Try to see if you can learn from it because if you can learn from it, then it's a win mm-hmm. and you won't make that, mis- that same mistake next time. You might make another similar mistake, but you won't make that same mistake. So, so it's just... Um, coming back, taking a moment, like really contemplating, going inside and, and forgiving yourself and recognizing that it came from a place of everything we do is coming from a place of wanting to do the best we can for ourselves. That's the thing is like, we're always coming from that place. Even the most destructive behaviors are coming from that place 
of really wanting to, it's, it's like a part of us, the only thing we know in order to give ourselves like the ability to, to survive is to do this one thing that is not healthy, but, but we don't know any better. This is what we learned growing up or, and this is maybe what our parents learned and their parents learned. And, and it just kind of got passed on and, and there's nothing, we didn't do anything wrong. So, um, so just being a little compassionate towards yourself for that. Does that make sense? It sounds like like I'm being a little big. No, it sounds like the ultimate form of self-love. Like, yeah, just loving yourself to try it and learn from it and be compassionate if it doesn't go 100% according to plan. Yes. Showing yourself that grace. Yes. Yeah, because you came about it honestly. Um, it, like, if you think about it, like, if we – if you really pull out and look at like your whole life from a sort of unbiased perspective, everything that you've been through has been the result of, of like everything else that has happened and including like your parents. I'm getting really, I know I'm getting really out there right now. (laughs) Uh, We Um, love the woo-woo here. Okay. Bring it on. Um, it's not even like woo woo. It's like, this is just philosophy. Like, but basically if you think about it, um, everything that you've been through is the result of everything that has happened, not just like one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And everything including, it includes, um, your parents upbringing, which includes their parents upbringing and back and back and back. So where you are right now is actually exactly where you're supposed to be. And you came about it honestly. And it is, you're here at this point and you can choose to be loving or you can choose the fear. And neither choice is really wrong um, because eventually you're going to get to the love. Sometimes you need to stay in that fear for a little while until you get fed up enough to decide like, I'm no, I'm just, I'm tired of treating myself this way. I I need to just be kind to myself now. You just kind of get to that tipping point. Right. But, um, but none of the things that you've done in your life that you're blaming yourself for were actually mistakes or wrong. You came about it all honestly. And that's kind of hard to understand. I mean, it's, it's easier to understand intellectually. It's harder to understand. Um, in the on, moment, like, at the, on yeah. the surface level of it. Yeah. Happening. But again, that's where some meditation comes in and helps you to, to look at it that way and have that forgiveness for yourself. Where can everybody find out a little bit more of Lisa, who you are, dive into what that really looks like, what it means to be a beautiful badass, what the, what, what, where we need to know. <laughs> um, you can go to my website, lisarachelsnyder.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Lisa Rachel Snyder or Facebook. I have a page on Facebook and I also have a group on Facebook called Living in Power, the Beautiful Badass Tribe. And, um, I really like, 
I really try to put my authentic experience online because I'm still struggling. I'm not, like I said, I'm not struggling with food anymore, but I still struggle with self-love and I still struggle with empowerment issues. And I really try to share that journey because I think it's important. The more of us, and I know you do this too, the more of us that are talking about it, the more we're making it okay because it is okay to have a struggle, you know? Um, so yes, that's where you can find me. And that's, um, my website is really where you can learn more about my seven step method to a healthy relationship with food. I love that. And there's still women today that I know personally that I will post something and they'll say like, wow, I, we have so much more in common than I thought we did. I was like, yeah, we all do. Right. It might not be the exact finite, tiny little detail of it, but exactly. in the grand of, scheme of it, it's, we're very similar. Right. I love to end with just a few questions. Okay. And the first thing that I always like to know is what is the very first thing that you do in the morning, Lisa? And it's morning there. It's evening here, <laughs> but it is morning there. So what is your go-to in the morning? I wish I could say I had a formal meditation practice every morning, but rather than that, usually what I do is when I wake up, I lay in bed and just just, like notice like I'm here, like (laughs) just like, oh, I'm here and see if I can find a little gratitude for that. Um, And yeah, that's like really the first thing. I just do that for a couple minutes when I wake up. I like that you don't have a formal gratitude practice because, (laughs) or a formal meditation practice, because that is simple and that's something that everyone can just do. Like, you don't even have to know how to meditate. You don't have to spend X amount of time. Like, just say thank you and check in with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I like for that to be sort of the first thing that I that I wake up to in the morning. What would you say, Lisa, is your super weapon? Authenticity. Mm-hmm. Proven here, right here and now. <laughs> and yeah, I'm I mean, sure in the beautiful badass program as well. Yeah, like if we can't be authentic, especially with ourselves, then we're constantly fighting against who we are. So I think that's like the ultimate act of self-love is like really showing up authentically in our lives. It's pretty empowered as well. Right. Yeah. Here here I am. This is it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, and again, that's a practice. It's not perfect. I certainly catch myself having days where I'm not being fully authentic and, and then I learn from them. So And that's authentic to say, guess what? It's not perfect (laughs) and it's not every day. Yeah. Yeah. What does being fierce mean to you? Being fierce. um, I think that being fierce is taking a stand for what you believe is right rather than fighting, if that makes sense. Um, expand on that for me. So I, I think, I, I, I think the word fierce is aligned with the word em, empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like 
you stand by your truth. You stand by what you know so deeply inside. Um, but you're not, uh, you're not going to like fight against and like harm others in the process of that. Like, it's just this knowing this wisdom, I like it like with, that. without, without causing harm to anyone else. Because so that's where the you, not fighting yeah. comes in. When you know it in your heart to be true, you don't have to shout it to the rest of the world. Like for you, that inner knowing is what it is. And that's what yeah. you are. And you own it and you stand up for it. And, you know, if someone does something that is counter to that, then if it feels right, then you might say something. But you're not going to like go out of your way to pick a fight because someone doesn't get it. So it's, yeah, it's really standing in power. When there is the feminine energy brought to what we sometimes think is a very masculine energy term. Exactly. It's actually, that's, I think that's a great way of putting it. Fierce is that balance between masculine and feminine, which is ultimate power. Mm. which is what I'm all wor- what I'm working on personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think and, we all are. <laughs> yeah. Isn't everybody let's find that place. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much. I, to come at this empowered eating and to really just break it down and reassure everybody that it isn't complicated and that, you know, and that that truth and that power is in you is such a valuable message. And yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with your community and very much so with the listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Fit and Fierce podcast. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and download so you never miss an episode and drop me a rating and review. It's the best way to support the show and to keep more episodes coming your way. See you next time.